Our speaker today is Teresa Peterson. She is the Executive Director of Communications with the Diocese of St. Petersburg. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. You made it to the last session of the day. Congratulations. I know it's been a long day. It's been a long few days. And I just feel so humbled to be here with you today, to be able to share some of my experiences and share some of what I've learned. And this is going to be an interactive session as well, because I'm going to have you um, answer some questions with the people sitting next to you so we can kind of all be thinking about this together. But I'm so glad that this is a part of the series on transforming Catholic philanthropy because uh, people say that communications is the transportation of one idea from one person to another but from the church's perspective it's about not about transportation but about transformation so we've been hearing that a lot and we're all about being different because of an encounter with Christ and so what we are learning about here is about transformation and conversion It's something so needed in our church today because we are all connected on these uh, technology and on these apps, but we need to strive to be in communion. And so that is what this session is about, sharing each other's company, being present to one another. And so this is what we're trying to do. And the church has been actually talking about this, this idea of communications and communion for 50 years at least. When Pope Paul VI came out with this document, that is called Communio et Progressio. And it really gives the church a theology of communications. And I've been working in in the church and serving in communications for 15 years, and I learned something new from this. And I hope that maybe it's something that you can learn that will just kind of help you in your day-to-day decision-making. How am I helping to bring about communion? This document gives us an understanding of our role as communicators in God's plan for evangelization. And in the first sentence of the document, it says, the unity and advancement of man or people living in society, these are the chief aims of social communications. So right there off the bat, the very first sentence is that we need to be united. We need to be together. That is why we have communications. It's a gift from God to bring people together. And, of course, we have two types of communion in the church. We have Holy Communion, the capital C, the body and blood of Christ. And we have communion with a lowercase c, which is intimate union of the faithful with Christ. And all of our communications should be leading to that. That should be our goal. And there's actually a book here called Connected Toward Communion that helped me with this presentation. And just so you know, the larger church is looking at this same topic. Um, I told you already how the Vatican has written about this. Notre Dame University's McGrath Institute for Church Life, I participated in an inaugural class with them this year that was looking at the same thing. How do we grow towards communion, especially during these COVID times and especially in this digital world? So what is communication and, and how does it lead to communion? Well, in the document, Communio et Progressio, it actually says there's a culminating moment in which communication becomes full communion, and it's in the Eucharistic encounter. You know, we say that Holy Communion is the source and summit of our faith. It's also the source and summit of communications. So we need to kind of be measuring our communications in terms of that. And it also talks about what is communications. It's more than the expression of ideas, and the indication of emotion. 
at its most profound level, it's the giving of self in love. So this is the theology of communications that we can learn about and help us and enrich our ministries. And it also talks about Jesus being the perfect communicator because he gave of himself in love. He not only spoke about love, he was love incarnate. So I'm going to give you a few pointers about what it is to communicate like Jesus in case you've never really thought about that. One of the things is to know your audience. I don't know if you ever thought about that, you know, but Jesus, he preached, you know, these parables, right, that had to do with uh, the lost sheep or, you know, the wheat and the weed or the sower and the seed. So he was talking to an agricultural community and he spoke in terms that they understood. But also he knew and he knows what's in our heart. So he can communicate in a way that touches our heart. So you you do better communications when you know your audience and you can speak to what is on their heart and in the terms that they understand for today's culture, for today's society. Also, it's about showing people you care. I mean, it's so basic, but I was just talking to someone over here, Carol, about we have these lists of praying for the sick in our churches, but do we call them and say, um, you know, I saw you on the, on the prayer list for the sick. How is your loved one or how are you feeling? Or, you know, during a crisis like this, reaching out to people. We heard from one parish that drove to homes and did home blessings during the lockdown. So it's just showing people that you care is, is essential. Be there when the people need us. I've also heard this say that silence is not golden. People don't hear from you. They interpret that to mean you don't care. We also need to tell stories. I mean, think about Jesus' stories. You know, he, he gave these vivid examples of the prodigal son. I mean, he really kind of drew us in with these stories. And we need to communicate with stories, too, because stories are easy to remember. They also help solidify relationships. And by the way, when I say communion is the goal, it's another way of saying it's all about relationships. It's another way of saying that, which we have been hearing a lot this uh, this conference. But stories help solidify relationships. They also meet the needs of visual, auditory, and kinetic learners. And then we embody the message. Like, we cannot be communicators who don't like kind of live up to what what we're preaching. We have to practice what we preach. Otherwise, we do everyone a disservice. And we know that we have sometimes failed at that, and the church has failed at that, and we have individuals have failed at that. And so all we can do is admit our mistakes and, and apologize and try to rebuild trust. And then ask questions. You know, be a good listener. That's also how we can communicate like Jesus. We have all these virtual encounters now in our in our world. You know, thanks to COVID, it's even more. And so we're living in a time, you know, where we're actually celebrating uh, contactless situations. Like my, my check-in at the hotel, they were like bragging, it's contactless. That just means I'm not going to have any human interactions or any human encounters. So, you know, we are losing the human touch. And so I, I, I do believe that these documents from the church and what we're hearing from our popes and our bishops and our leaders is that, you know, we, we need to bring people together. We cannot live in a world that is contactless or has no human touch. But there is a place for virtual. So this is actually from the document called The Church and the Internet, which is also from the Vatican. And it talks about how the technology will never be a substitute for interpersonal community and the incarnational reality of the sacraments and the liturgy 
and the direct proclamation of the gospel. But it can complement them and attract them to a fuller experience of the life of faith and enrich the religious lives of users. So we can use these tools also keeping in mind that it's basically enriching, but it doesn't substitute, of course, the essential sacraments. Also, it can provide the church with a means for communicating with particular groups who are not in our churches. And we do know that young people, by and large, you know, are not in our churches. But this is an opportunity to use these tools to engage with them. And then also the homebound population. We use these tools to engage with them because they're not in our churches. But with the goal of thinking that there's always that invitation to come and grow in communion and grow deeper in faith. So I did put together kind of a um, seven-step roadmap to go from connected to communion. We do need a compass, and so maybe some of you have the handout that's going to kind of guide us along our, our path. And so for the C in compass, it's an acronym, is communicate well. And so I do believe that, again, we have to communicate, you know, God reveals himself to us. We proclaim the gospel. We have to communicate well. And just a couple tips in that area for you. You've been hearing a lot of other ideas during this conference. But one principle that I, I hold is, uh, it's another acronym, but it's CODE, which stands for Create Once, Distribute Everywhere. And because we have all of these you know, ch- channels available to us and we have these tools, if we can come up with a really strong messaging, a really strong announcement, a really strong formation that we want to share, we create that and then we just put it in the different, into the different channels, whether it's social, on our website, spoken through announcements, flyers. There's so many different channels, but we don't have to reinvent the wheel. So just create it once and then distribute it everywhere. I think that's a good principle for our times. Also for social media, social media that's personal, timely and beautiful, you know, does really well. And according to the algorithms, normally only about 10% of your fans will see your post on Facebook. Um, So if you have 100 fans, only 10 people on average will see your post. However, if the post is shared, liked, or commented on, the engagement goes way up. And it could be 50% or 100% or 200%. So what creates engagement is personal, timely, and beautiful. That's what we found. So when we, when we shared a prayer for 9-11, it does great because it's so timely. When we share a, a picture of our bishop or one of our priests or some, a personal story of a Catholic, that does really well. And just the beauty of our faith and, and told through photography and videography, a beautiful image of the saint, you know, really does really well. And then also with our websites, we want them to have visual, you know, interest. We also want them to also be inviting, have a message of invitation. Somebody was describing your website uh, earlier as the digital narthex of your church, you know, where it's like that is where people who are not your parishioners are going to your website to decide whether they want to go to your church. So what is what are you um, offering them? We also want it to be inviting and beautiful. And there's a website address here that was actually created by eCatholic as a website company. And they put together a website that incorporates best practices for parish websites. I think it's called Our Lady, right, dot church. It's not a real parish. It's the, the site was built just to demonstrate best practices for websites. So something you can check out. And, you know, joy is beautiful, right? We always talked about enthusiasm. Joy is contagious. Joy is beautiful. 
And this priest here obviously shows joy, and it's a welcoming message. Some of you might recognize this parish here. It's from the Diocese of Orlando. But I think that that is a good example. We also want to emphasize that presence matters because we know that the real presence of Christ matters, but we also need to remind people in our churches that they matter too. So, you know, we're staying home, they're staying home, then they come to church. Do we acknowledge their presence? So in this book, which comes from Connected Toward Communion, it says we should be facilitating a presence that matters. So each person may contribute to and take part in the sharing of the faith authentically and in service of the gospel. Foster a sense of belonging where one's contributions are valued and important, where one's participation edifies the collective. This is really essential as we try to move forward and, and you know, get past COVID and grow the church, is facilitating a presence that matters for our people. And I think this is where some of the uh, thought behind the synod on synodality, have you heard about that, that Pope Francis is promoting? He's, he's starting a new synod that's going to be launching in October, and it's about getting people into our churches and listening to them, asking them, what are your thoughts on you know, your faith? What are your experiences of faith? Uh, well, how can we better you know, meet your needs? So it's, it's facilitating that presence that matters. And this book, which is called Divine Renovation, who's heard of that book? There's a quote from there that I really like. The value of belonging is in many ways the key to the transformation of culture that needs to happen in our parishes. So that's how powerful this concept of belonging is. He also says, we're advocating the move towards meaningful community so the end game of missionary disciples may be achieved. So, whoa, there's a connection between belonging and missionary disciples That's pretty powerful. Have you heard about this kind of concept of belong, believe, behave? This also kind of follows the kind of the model of Jesus in relationships because Jesus invited people to a friendship, to a relationship, uh, and that's kind of where you get that sense of belonging that he, he nurtured in his disciples and apostles. Then people wanted to know more about, well, what, what, what is this Jesus about? Like, what does he stand for? What are his values? But it started with kind of having a sense of relationship. Then there was that desire to learn more about what is Jesus about? What does he believe in? I, I want to be that kind of a person. And then we conform our lives to Jesus. So that's kind of a good kind of pathway also to, as we go towards communion. As we think about our roadmap and compass, we just want to remember that the objective is communion. Always keep that in the back of your mind. And this was Dr. Brett Robinson from the McGrath Institute for Church Life. And he said, the revitalization of parishes require that we pay attention to the forms of communication that lead to deeper communion. So I want to give you a little example of that that I, I kind of thought of, and I'm not sure if you think about these things, but have you ever been to Whole Foods grocery store? I go, I usually shop at Publix, okay, but which is, um, you know, for people not from Florida, you might not know it, but it's just a, you know, a, a, just a regular grocery store, but Whole Foods is not a regular grocery store, right? We know that. It's something kind of unique. So when you go into a Whole Foods, you see these big signs on the wall, and one of them says, Our purpose is to nourish people and planet. Welcome to the grocery store. Our purpose is to nourish the people and the planet. They also have these big signs that say love. 
and they have these big signs that say locally grown. Now, if you go into Publix, which I do like twice a week, you'll see a sign that says eggs, milk, meat. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> so which of these types of communication lead to deeper communion? The ones that share our purpose, right? The ones that, sh- that you know, kind of unite people under a purpose, under a mission. So I just thought that was a neat example of two stores, you know, communicating, you know, with signs, but completely different kind of sense of uh, communion with those. I like this little trajectory that kind of uh, just shows kind of maybe the whole, it's a circle, the circle of communion maybe we could say. That starts with invitation. And that could be just inviting somebody to subscribe to your emails, inviting somebody to come to a Bible study, inviting someone to um, like you on Facebook. And that starts a process of communication. That starts, you know, a process of even inviting your neighbor to walk with you. That starts a process of communication, sharing, and that can grow, grow and grow into a community. Okay, it forms a community, the, the, those, you know, continuous Good experiences of communication form a community. And then that continues to grow into a communion. You know, as a people of faith, we grow into communion where we are united. And then we, that's almost the status of missionary disciple, where then you start the invitation process and you kind of go in that circle. The Diocese of Kansas City had a pretty cool campaign, in case you haven't seen it, called Come Home to Communion. That fit great with my presentation, so I included it. Uh, they also had these uh, cards that you can print out from their website that they were handing out, I guess, where people could download them. And it says, hi, I'm inviting you to join me for Mass on Sunday. Maybe you've been away for a while or haven't been to a Catholic church. Either way, we'd love to have you in our community. And it says, you know, information about you. You plug in your Mass, your church, and all that. So, again, here's a great invitation to start that process of communion. The M and compass is to mirror the Trinity. This is part of our theology of communications, but this is actually in that document from 50 years ago. In the Christian faith, the unity and brotherhood of man are the chief aims of all communication, and these find their source and model in the central mystery of the eternal communion between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who live a single divine life. So I, I thought that's pretty powerful. The P encompasses to pray always, because if we're not in communion with Christ, again, remember, we have to embody the message. We're trying to lead people to communion. We have to be in communion. So praying is is a big part of this roadmap to communion. Then we have to analyze our communications. That's the A, encompass. And a lot of times, I mean, I have fallen into this trap, and it's basically I'm always looking at the analytics how many people like that post? You know, how many people visited this web page? How many people opened my email? And you know what? It's part of this kind of, I think, with our brains, these dopamine hits we get because people like our posts. It's, a, it's really like a little rush that goes to our brain. But we're not really thinking about communion when we think like that because we have to think about measuring our communications and how it's leading people to communion. And so... One way to know if your people are, in, are, are, are really in communion is how engaged are they. And engaged members use the language of family when they talk about their churches. And that's from another book here called Growing an Engaged Church. So again, this is about the value of belonging. But this is what you want to be measuring to really know if you're kind of reaching that goal of communion. 
And Catholic Leadership Institute's Disciple Maker Index includes questions such as, does my parish make me feel welcomed and accepted? Provide me with opportunities to serve. Provide a support to me and my family in times of need. Involve me in decisions. Provide transparent information. Help me develop my prayer life. So those are, are, are things that you can actually survey your people on on a regular basis to know how you are leading people to communion. And also, of course, how many people are at your, at your mass? How many people are um, at your reconciliation services? How many people are you know, partaking of the sacraments? I mean, that is huge because... That's what the life of discipleship is. And discipleship, this is from the stewardship, a disciple's response. It's about growing in union of mind and hearts with others. And the sacraments is one big way to do that. All sacraments are sacred links uniting the faithful with one another and binding them to Jesus Christ. That's from the catechism. And so when we see our churches nationally, even locally, we see division, right? We see it, we feel it. And that's just the sin, the, the human frailty, the human weakness that is kind of is, is rupturing our union. And um, this is actually from the catechism. Sin damages or breaks fraternal communion. The S in compass is solidarity. So the more that we can be in solidarity with our brothers and sisters, the more we can reach that communion. So how do we how do we foster solidarity? You know, through sharing our love, our welcome, our listening. Our empathy, invitation, accompany. Pope Francis always talks about accompaniment. So that is the solidarity. You know, when, when one person suffers, we all suffer. When one person celebrates, we all celebrate. That's solidarity. And then the inclusion, which is the bigger church with the communion of our saint, of our saints. And we have that support system through prayer to kind of guide us on this road to communion. So I think that's pretty much my talk. I wanted to give you some practical ideas to put in your parish, but then also to give you that theology to kind of grow in your understanding and awareness that we have a plan as communicators, and you know we're all serving in either stewardship development communications in God's plan for evangelization.